What's good, y'all? And welcome back to another installment of the Past Their Prime Podcast. We got another fire episode cooked up for y'all today. So hope you got your ears open, your pens and pads ready, and stay woke because class is about to be in session. I'm your host, Dub, and today we kind of got a slim roster. You know, we're dealing with a couple of DMPs. Uh, our 89 Bridget on here, Combs and uh, Slime Gordon. And uh, Coles, he's on a hiatus today as well. But nonetheless, I'm joined with my fellow PTP. My brother, introduce yourself. What's good? What's going on, y'all? It's your boy E Money. You already know what it is. I'm always here, I'm always prepared. I'm ready to kill as usual. Let's do this. 87 in the building. That's what it is right there. 87 got to hold it down today. So, uh, you know, let's get into the weekend. Like, I don't know how your weekend was. Uh, Mine was a little turnt. You know, I went out last night, went to uh, two spots, went to a day party, Bay Fest down in the city. Cool little day party. I had a had a good time. A little turned up. Saw some Stony Brook heads in there. Peeped, shout out I to peeped. Calvin. Shout out to Tim. Saw them out there. Uh, and then I went to ended up somehow. I don't know how I ended up there. Uh, ended up in Sin City. Woo! Uh, yeah, don't don't know how I ended up there. Uh, kind of hurt right now, but nonetheless, I'm here to work. Like here to work. Got Henny on my breath, but you know we're here. We're here. I dig, I dig. What about you, my man? How, how, how was your weekend? My weekend was good, but just to touch on sin, they still doing that funny business when you change your bills, they charge you. Nah, 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 nah. They, 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 not they, doing don't, do, that nah, no they don't do that no more. Not, not from my experience yesterday. Right. Like, when I went up there, I asked for my change. It was that straight, was it? straight my change, no, no fees. Yeah, they was doing some funny business a couple I didn't even years know that ago. For, real. for every twenty, they charge you two dollars to change the oh, bills nah. to singles. <laughs> like what? Not a not bugger. See, it's been a, this is my first time in sin in about maybe three, four years. So it's been a while since I, I so I didn't, I never experienced that, but <laughs> that, that's crazy. <laughs> that I said for New York, I ain't to stop playing games. If it ain't nude, it's not a strip club. Facts. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, what do you label those? What are those? I guess titty bars or like. I don't know. It's a bar where yeah, women I, are scantily clad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can't you can't really call those strip clubs because if I can't touch, then I don't know what the purpose is. I don't know what the point I mean, is. I can like. touch, I can have a good time, but like, stop half stepping. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna do it, do it. Honestly, <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I'll take it back. I forgot what year it was when you, me, and Castro and Bryce and Dabs ended up at uh, Crazy Horse. Oh yeah, ain't no experience that. better than that. Crazy Horse kind of they put all these other. Strip clubs a shame if you ask me, cause that was most turned up experience on the most random night. It was crazy. It was crazy. So I need all y'all NYC strip clubs, aces, perfections, whatever. Like y'all gotta step it up, man, cause y'all not touching Crazy Horse from what I'm seeing. Is Crazy Horse still open? I haven't oh, been there for a while. They so down. Apparently somebody got shot out there. What? Yeah, so they had they had to shut down the venue. It's, it's, it's been quiet for about a year. And a half. Yeah, some change now with Crazy Horse. <laughs> Crazy Horse is holding it down right it there was on though. B-Roll. Right over, right over the bridge by the oh, IHOP. You know that. Oh, my BX says, you already know what's up. All right, so that was our weekend recaps. If you want to get to know the host on a more personal level, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Dubs on Deck. That's dubs underscore on underscore deck. And you can follow my boy, E Money. You can follow him at EA Sports 718 on Twitter. Yo, Slob. Yeah. What's good, player? Ain't nothing, man. About to record the Past Day Prime podcast with the Brodies. Yo, the last one was fire, my nigga. What you got for this week? So, in today's episode, we're going to briefly touch on the end of the season NBA awards. And then we're going to turn our entire focus to the first round of the NBA playoffs, giving our predictions 
and pretty much setting the scene for potential second round matchups. Uh, we'll also touch on some points as to who we think is the most intriguing matchup of the first round. Also, as uh, what teams we feel could surprisingly make a deep run into the playoffs. So, you know, uh, let's get into it. And uh, allow me to paint the picture first of the uh, playoffs. For the Western Conference matchups, we have uh, Golden State versus Portland for the 1-8 matchup. We have the Clippers versus Jazz on the 4-5. We have the Battle of the MVPs, Mr. Fear the Baird versus Mr. Triple Double. The Rockets versus Thunder. And we have San Antonio versus Memphis for the 2-7 matchup. On the Eastern Conference side, we got Boston and Chicago for the 1-8. Uh, the Wizards versus the Hawks for the 4-5. Toronto versus the Bucks for the 3-6. And Cleveland versus the Pacers for the 2-7 matchup. So we'll start on the Western Conference, and we'll start with Golden State and Portland. So, E, what's up, brother? Tell me who you think the winner of the matchup is going to be and how many games, and then tell me why. Uh, before I start that, I got to give a shout-out to my man, Dane Dollar. <laughs> dropping down, dropping down. Dropping down. <laughs> reporter asked him, when an analyst asked him after the end of the regular season, you guys matching up with the Warriors. Uh, who do you think is going to take the series? Y'all going to win in six or seven? Dane Dollar said we win it in six. Mm. Bold. Very bold. I respect it, but the people who are criticizing him, what's he supposed to say? We're going to lose <laughs> to the Warriors? I mean, Cats want you to be honest. I mean... No, but if I'm being honest, I always got a shot. Very true. Very <laughs> you true. You got to be in it to win it. You can't go in there saying we're going to lose and you're going to get swept out the building. <laughs> But you know reporters, they always fishing for the storyline. They're trying to find that one player who's actually going to slip up and really say what's on their mind. Like, <laughs> really say, like, I mean, yeah, we play well, we match up, but at the same time, they have too much firepower. That's what they're, that's what they're looking for. They want somebody to... <laughs> I don't think there's an NBA player who's going to tell you that. Because I, mean, I, 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 I think I in their believe. heart of hearts, whenever they get on the court, they think they have they a shot, shot to win. I just completely agree. And completely. I know myself just playing pickup, and in my younger days when I was... Somewhat good. <laughs> Once I got on the court, I'm thinking I'm a win. I'm not coming yeah. on the court thinking, yeah, Never. we're gonna lose this. Cooking everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that was the mindset. I'm cooking Even everybody. now, I'm 30 years old and washed. But when I get on the court, I'm thinking like, yeah, we're gonna win this game. Especially if I'm playing with people that I'm familiar with. True. I'm thinking, yo, I don't care if you're nice. We still got a chance. Exactly. Hard work beats talent when the talent don't work hard. Mm-mm. Bars. Bars. But um, I have Golden State in four or five, to be honest. Yeah. I don't um, trust the front court of the Blazers. I like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So why don't you trust them? What, what, I don't understand. The front court? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... <sighs> Nurkic, we don't know if he's playing. That's okay. a 50-50 still. And I think he helped their team a lot when they made that trade for him and Mason Plumley and sent Plumley the human body bag to Denver. <laughs> he jumps for everything. <laughs> Every other week, he's on Sports Center again. Dunked on. Stop jumping, Mason. Nah, Plumlee. you got. I, I respect. I respect the attempts of trying to defend the basket, though. Like you, you got to appreciate that. Look at look at Alonzo. Alonzo is on many posters, but at the same time, he's still a fixture as an NBA defensive player. Like, Alonzo's a legend. He won Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, you're right. When is Mason Plumlee going to win Defensive Player of the Year? I mean, year? hey, you got to you got to keep attempting. You got to keep you got to keep going for the gusto. You Some gotta, guys you got no business jumping with. 
<laughs> you just gotta live for another day. You can't tell an NBA player that. The same way you can't tell an NBA player that they're gonna get on the that they're gonna go and possibly get washed up in the first round. You can't tell them not to jump. You can't tell them not to defend. I probably keep jumping. Do your do your do your thing. Cause it only makes me happy when I see body bags. Like I love to see when somebody gets dunked on. Especially when there's something footer. <laughs> Cause it's just like, wow, this big huge body just got folded like a pretzel. So you got Portland and well, you have Portland getting getting sent out in five. So this five, I'm leaning towards four, but I like Dame Dollar and CJ McCollum, so I feel like they can at least win. They're gonna one. pull out one. Okay. But at home or on the road? More than like however, however they could get it. <laughs> Whether it's at Oakland or Portland, however they could get it, they're probably gonna get one. We're gonna have one crazy game from the both of them or either one of them where they say, yo, this is too much. Yeah. But I don't trust Mo Harkless, Noah Vonley. I don't trust these guys to keep up with KD and Draymond Green. Yeah, I don't. Completely I don't understandable. See it. It's, it, it, it even looks lopsided when you look at just their their ranks. You know, in the in the NBA, Golden State is ranked first offensively and second defensively, while Portland is ranked eleventh offensively and twenty first defensively. So yeah, their defense it, it's has really lopsided. A, a lot that they need. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to be under a lot of pressure. It's one of my pressure. favorite players, but fam, you got to play some. I do like the fact that Portland has kind of been on a nice streak since the All-Star break, though. They've, they're uh, 18 and 8 since the All-Star break, which is tied for the third best in the NBA. So, you know, they're kind of, they hit a hot streak at the right time. So, you know, hopefully they'll be able to squeak out one, possibly two. But, I mean, I kind of echo your sentiments. I think they're going to be out of here in five. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna steal one. They're going to steal one. Not, Maybe steal one. Yeah, I, mean, I think they're, they're going to steal one. I, I'm confident in the fact they're going to steal one. It's going to be at home. Possibly game three, because I feel they're going to get washed up in the first two games. So after the first two washings on the road, when they go to Golden State, they're going to come back home, you know, get a little fan love, a little fan support. And, you know, they'll, they'll be able to squeak that one out, I think. I hope so. I'm not convinced, but we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, Golden State kind of had that number. Golden State kind of ran through them during the regular season. Yeah. 4-0 four, four, four oh during the regular season matchup. So, I mean, Portland definitely has their hands full. Uh, let's let's fast forward because I mean that 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 series kind of you can't really say much on that because there's there's not much to say on it. <laughs> but uh, let's fast forward to uh, the Spurs versus Memphis. Uh, we have San Antonio as a seventh ranked offense and the first ranked defense in the NBA. Shout out to Kawhi Leonard who was in a lot of people's uh, talks for the Defensive Player of the Year and rightfully so. It's not talks. He got it. Yeah, I mean, see, I I, I still want to. I don't. A lot of talks about Draymond getting snubbed for, I think, it's a, th- a third time, possibly. I don't want to see it, but, I mean, when you look at the numbers and you look at Kawhi, I mean, he makes a, it's too strong of a case. And to Combs, I know Combs isn't here, but I remember during his MVP talks, the best player on the best team should win MVP. So then the best player on the best defensive team, the best defensive player on the best defensive team in the league should win defensive player of the year. And that is Kawhi Leonard. So, Combs, we got a lot to talk about. I'm, I know you're going to hear this, but... Yeah, I'm, I need you to hear that point right there because that it was a fire rebuttal. <laughs> but uh, we have Memphis and San Antonio. They split the season, uh, season series 2-2. Uh, both teams won on their home courts. So uh, what do you have to say about that? What's your predictions on that series, E? I don't think last night is indicative of what's going to happen for the rest of the series. I like the way Memphis play. Losing Tony Allen hurts. We don't it know does. when he's coming back. So when you got Wayne Selden and um, Andrew Harrison and these guys out there. A lot of pedestrian names. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of pedestrian names. It's not conducive. But at the same time, I don't trust the Spurs backcourt that much. I think they're better than um, 
uh, Memphis backcourt if you take away Mike Conley. But also, Mike Conley, which is crazy, it's an oxymoron. I think he's one of the most underrated players and overpaid players. That's a fact. I think he's very, very good. Probably a top five, seven point guard in the okay. NBA when you account for everything that the game of basketball asks you to do as far as running the offense, being able to command the game and being able to take over a game and actually playing defense. Mike Conley's in that conversation. But I think Memphis probably is going to win one or two. Spurs probably going to take this in five or six. Yeah, I got I'm leaning it. I towards got five. I got to honestly, but the way Memphis plays and they're a very good coach team, I think they can pull out a couple in Memphis. But at the same time, I just think Ken Kawhi is not here for that. He's trying to get this over with quick. Yeah, as he we saw last night. Yeah, Kawhi Kawhi's definitely looking forward to getting his rest. I don't I don't think he's trying to play around with Memphis, and especially with the fact that Tony Allen is out, they really don't have anybody that's really going to be able to slow Kawhi down yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And, I mean, Memphis is a, has a solid defense. Like, they're ranked seventh uh, in the NBA definitely. defensively. So, I mean, they they definitely, you know, have the capability to kind of slow down the Spurs. But without Tony Allen, that's a key piece in that whole defensive scheme of theirs. So, you know, they had, they're really up against a tall task. And, I mean, San Antonio, they're one of the – three teams in the NBA that are ranked in the top 10 offensively and defensively. So, I mean, the, the uh, Grizzlies have a lot to go up against. Marcus Gasol just got to have a career series for them. Yeah, to he's going yeah, to have the ball out. Yeah. He's going to have the ball. He's going to have the ball. Him and Conley got to look at each other and say, yeah, we got to go for 30. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Every night. Yeah. <laughs> Every single night they step on that court. They can't look to anybody else. There's no deferring in the situation. You got to gotta be all hands on deck. And they, they got to really shoulder the load here. So let's get into the, the battle of the MVPs, the 3-6 matchup, Houston and OKC. I mean, I kind of already know where I'm leaning uh, towards this series. I mean, I already know. we. Well, I already know who the MVP is. Y'all should already know who the MVP is. Mr. Russell Westbrook, I kind of have him getting this series done in six. Um, in, a, in, a, in a grand fashion, too, I really think he's going to make a statement and show everybody, like, yo, I am the MVP of the NBA. So I got I got a OKC in six. Uh, Westbrook, I think he's just gonna ball out. He's gonna he's gonna really show. He's gonna do what he's done all season. But I think he's gonna turn it up a notch. What what you got to say on that series? What's your what's your sentiments? I'm gonna double down with you, Thunder in six. Uh and this is no disrespect to to the Rockets because I mean the Rockets. Very solid team. James Harden taking nothing away from you. Second in uh, points, first in assists in the NBA. But I just think Westbrook, in your voice, he's gonna enter a, a, a guy. He's gonna enter God mode, and he's gonna he's really gonna show everybody that he's really gonna show something. I really he feels like he has something to prove. I feel right now this God mode that Dub is talking about is about <laughs> four to five players who Very enter who enter, who enter this mode. <laughs> this is that mode that. LeBron James talks about when he goes on his social media hiatus <laughs> and goes on a zero dark 730. Yeah. LeBron is capable of this. Russell Westbrook is capable of this. James Harden is capable of this. Steph Curry. And I'm struggling with this guy, but he's also capable <laughs> of this. But in the defining moments, he, he scares me. Kevin Durant is also capable of going into Indeed. the God mode. Indeed. Also, a sixth player who can very capable of going to God mode, but we don't see it as much 
as I think we should, is because he also plays on the Warriors, is Klay Thompson. He can go into God mode as well. Uh, but as I said before, I'm going to double down with you and say that the Thunder are going to win this in six because as Charles Barkley would say, you can't win by just shooting threes. <laughs> My thing with the Rockets is I like the team. I like the, what they've done during the regular season, but now that it's the playoffs, the rotations are shortened. Everybody knows your sets. You pretty much know what kind of plays each play, each team is going to run. I don't think Ryan Anderson, uh, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, and Trevor Reason, these guys are just going to be able to just let it fly all willy-nilly during the playoffs. And what's going to happen when their shots aren't falling? What's their second go-to? I fly through the Rockets is three or nothing, three or bust. They've taken an astronomical number of threes this year. Mm -hmm. I think they got the record for the yeah. amount of three-point attempts that they've taken this they year. Did. So the thing for me is, are they going to be able to do something else when the three-pointers aren't falling? What are they going to fall back to? What are they going to revert to? And like I said, James Harden is having a hell of a year. Any other season, I would say he's the MVP, hands down, no questions asked. But I can't ignore what Russell Westbrook has been doing with less talent than what the Rockets had. Coles. Right now, Russell Westbrook has 72 unassisted made field goals in the final five minutes, and the score is within five points this season. That's out of control. Out of control. This guy literally does everything that is humanly possible for put his team in a position to win. And he's hitting game winners on top of that. And for all you guys that are saying he's padding stats, he's doing this, he's doing that, guys. Lies. If you're Lies watching the Thunder, <laughs> he's doing this within the confines of the game. The, his teammates are too tentative. They, they don't want the pressure. They're not here for that. They're not here for the biggest moments and to rise up to the occasion. Victor Lodipo signed the contract, so he's cushy. He's chilling. And his cancer want to break his arm on cheers and not, <laughs> and not want to play a full season. Steven Adams is only getting better, but he's not a guy you run your offense around. So right now, Russell Westbrook is just doing this out of necessity. And I've never, it's been about one or two other times where I could count where a top three player leaves the team and the team still is relevant. I can only, the only other times I could think of this is when Shaq left Orlando, Penny still had Orlando looking okay, but it was different. Not what we're seeing from Westbrook. And when Jordan retired the first time and Scotty took the Bulls and made that his team. Other than that, I can't name you another time where a top three player leaves the team and the team is still relevant. Not even relevant. They're in the playoffs. Like, they're M six. MVP. What I just heard right there, that wasn't even a, a, a preview of the playoffs. That was a breakdown of why Westbrook is going to be the MVP of the NBA. And again, I don't know, like, me and E were talking about a prior that the awards are going to be announced after the end of the playoffs? Is, 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 is that what you said? Uh, I believe the date is June 26th is, is when they decided crazy. to um, announce the awards. See, they, they, that, that's, that's for a drama effect, I feel like. Because, honestly, we don't have to wait for the playoffs to know who the MVP is. I mean, it's gonna, all it's going to do, I feel, is it's going to make more of a case for Westbrook. But, I mean, I don't think we have to wait that late or that long to, to figure out who the MVP of the NBA is going to be. Because... Or and for any other uh, the awards matter because I mean it's pretty much set in stone if you ask me from you know defensive player to six man I don't think there's really much of an argument besides the MVP race and even I think that itself is locked up and uh, I mean Westbrook I feel he like I said he's gonna take it in six and I mean granted Houston did win the season series three to one 
But, I mean, during these games, like, Westbrook still averaged 36 points, 9 assists. Uh, he shot 44% from the field, 37 from three. I mean, these are still solid numbers for especially a team with less talent. So, I mean, granted, yeah, Houston won the series 3-1, the season series 3-1, but I don't think that's going to culminate into what uh, Westbrook has in store for the, uh, for the first round of the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, Westbrook, much luck, much success to you, my brother. Uh, let's get into the 4-5 matchup, uh, Clippers versus Utah. What's your sentiments on that? Uh, I mean, if you want to ask me, I personally don't see the Clippers getting past this round. I think this is going to be a tough test for them. I, I honestly have your boy, Gordon Hayward, and I mean, it's tough because I've seen uh, Gobert got hurt. Gobert, he he got a little uh, a knee. He tweaked his knee last game. But, I mean, all things considered, I just don't have much faith in the Clippers. And I uh, it's going to be a tough series. I, I have uh, the Jazz in six. Six or seven. It's going to be a tough contested series nonetheless, though. I, I will say that. I don't think the Clippers are going to get washed up. But I just don't have faith in them moving forward. I don't. I just don't have faith in Chris Paul. And, I mean, we could talk about that. I could talk about it all day, but I'm not going to get into that right now because, I mean, we talk about that daily, on a daily basis in our group chat. But I just don't I just don't uh, have faith in the Clippers getting past this round. Like, I think Gordon Hayward is going to put this team on his back and, and get and propel them to that, to that next level. Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> For those of you who've been listening to the podcast, I don't want you to think I'm bullying the Clippers. You are a bully, though. <laughs> You're definitely bullying Doc and Chris Paul. But I'll, I'll, let the, I'll let the listeners be the judges of that. This series was probably one of the most intriguing because I feel like both teams are evenly matched for the most part. But my confusion lies in what transpired last night. So Rudy Gobert gets hurt within 10 seconds of the game starting. Very early. So for me, if I'm the Clippers, I'm like a shark and I see blood in the water. <laughs> Once the defensive anchor goes down and defensive player of the year candidate goes down, I'm thinking like... It's go time. Yo, let's just yeah. step on them. Let's, let's, let's make it do what it do. But again, CP0, as I like to call him, or Cliff Paul, CP0 is for zero conference finals appearances. And Flake Griffin, not Blake, but Flake... Griffin, as usual, flakes in the defining moments. So you guys mean to tell me Rudy Gobert goes down and y'all don't even, and you're at home, and y'all still lose the game to ISO Joe? I had the Clippers in six prior to the series starting. Did you? I did, because I think Utah just doesn't have the experience. Understandable. But the veterans that they do have, Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw, they've been there before. I want to stay with the Clippers in six, but I'm really not confident in what they can do. Like, Chris Paul shouldn't be the best player on your team anymore. That's supposed to be Blake Griffin's job to yep. get him over the hump. Not a recipe for success. And since he broke his hand fighting an equipment manager last <laughs> year, I'm not sure what he's trying to do. Like... Boss, this is how many years in the league now? This is his, what, sixth or seventh, Six, seventh, yeah. seventh, seventh, seventh year in the league? Bro, it's time for you to, like, have a defining moment in these playoffs. We've seen Chris Paul do this time and time again. 
you hit the go ahead to go up. The Utah Jazz get the ball back, and for some reason, Jamal Crawford's on Joe Johnson, and he just allows him to get all the way to the paint. I get it. Joe Johnson is probably bigger, stronger, faster. I don't know if he's faster than you. You I guys mean, are both In Jamal Crawford's defense, he's not a defender, though. Like, he's we, not. <laughs> we he's we not. know this. Like, Jamal he's not. Crawford, he's not. I get that. it's an offense. Like, that's, that's all he's that. there for. So now, if I'm the Clippers, I'm at home. The game is tied. Rather than letting Joe Johnson get to the paint and put something up, I think I'm going to put him on a free throw line and stop the clock and give us another opportunity to put another shot up in the offensive end, depending on how much time is left. So I was kind of confused about that. Why not put them on the foul line and force them to earn it rather than Jamal Crawford play some defense, but it's kind of matter to a defense he played in. By the time Jordan came to try to help, it was too little too late. The... That was uh, an Allen Houston-esque uh, floater right there when Joe Johnson hit. When Allen Houston hit that floater on the heat. On the heat. <laughs> same exact thing I saw right there. Yeah. So I'm going to stay with the Clippers in six, but I want to put an asterisk on it because I think Utah might have just single-handedly took control of that series by winning the game one in L.A. Yeah. But I'm going to rest on Doc Rivers and Chris Paul having done this longer than Utah. And I'm going to say that they'll be able to get the job done. But Utah's coming. George Hill, Boris Diaz, Joe Johnson, are excellent compliments to Rudy Gobert, Rodney Hood, and Gordon Hayward. But I'm going to lean towards the Clippers veterans and them having been doing this for a very long time. But don't think that me picking them still doesn't believe that they should blow this whole thing up. Start, <laughs> start from scratch. Yeah, they've been, they've been needed to do that, if you ask me. like They got to they blow that up because this recipe... Clearly hasn't worked. I mean, Doc is what fifteen and seven. That's his playoff record since he's been with the Clippers. I mean, it's it's what whatever you're trying to create, whatever you're trying to build here, it's it's literally proving not to work. And I mean, I you guys won the season series three one, but at the same time, I mean, I like I said, I just don't have faith in Doc. I don't have much faith in just the Clippers as a as a cohesive unit as a as a total to to really get the job done. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Utah in six, and you know I mean they're already making my case for me so keep it up Jazz and Goldberg get healthy soon bro. So let's uh transition to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean I'm sorry the Eastern Conference uh, first round matchups. Uh the the one eight we have Boston versus Chicago. Uh Boston is the eighth ranked offense, twelfth ranked defense, while Chicago is the twenty first ranked offense. And the six ranks def- uh, ranked defense, they split the season series two two. So, uh, what 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 are your takes? What are your sentiments on this series? I honestly, for me, this is the most intriguing matchup of the first round. I think that we're gonna see we're gonna see a different sentiment from what we see in all series. I mean, I don't have faith. I don't think the Bulls are as bad as their seating, and I don't think the Celtics are as good as their seating. So that's to me is what's gonna make this a very interesting matchup, and honestly, he's he's been kind of dormant, like to an extent, but I think Rondo is really gonna show out this season. I think he's, I mean, this this uh, matchup, and I think he's gonna be the X factor this round of, of this particular matchup. I think he's gonna be the X factor if Rondo shows out. If Rondo is any in any shape, form, or fashion, what he was back on the Celtics, I think he's gonna show out. And I think he's going to turn it all the way up. And, I mean, IT4 is my guy. 
but he might be in for a tough series. He's still the king of the fourth quarter, but he's gonna he's gonna have his hands full with Rondo strapping up. Um, before I go into my analysis, rest in peace to Isaiah Thomas' sister. Definitely, definitely, R.I.P. Just passed away in a car accident. But uh, I have to agree that I think this is probably one of the most intriguing series in the first round out of all the matchups. I think this one, another one in the Eastern Conference, which we'll get to later. But if I was to pick, I'm saying Chicago in seven. I think the series is definitely going seven. Yeah. No, it, no Chicago. ands and ones about it. But I think Chicago is going to come out as Damn. the victor. Jeez, you just I don't think for a loop, bro. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think Chicago is as bad as the record shows, where they're 41 and 41. They Agreed. have Jimmy Butler, they have Dwayne Wade, and they have Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, both won championships. They both know what it takes to be successful in the playoffs. I think that now that it's the playoffs, like I said before, the rotations are shorter. Everybody knows each other's sets pretty much have a good idea of what each other wants to do well and try to take away from them. I just don't think that if Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler are healthy, Boston has the pieces to guard when both of them are hot. What are you going to do when D-Wade just says, you know what, I'm going in my bag and I'm just going to <laughs> What are you going to do when Jimmy Butler is hitting that three-point shot and also going to the basket? I'm happy you didn't call him Goku. Dwayne Wade is Goku. <laughs> for the simple fact is, he broke his elbow. For the people that don't know, I called Dwayne Wade Goku after what he did last year in the playoffs. The man turned Super Saiyan. Dwayne Wade is arguably the third best shooting guard that the NBA has seen behind Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. He Agreed. just knows how to get the job done. Yeah. Somehow, some way, he's probably the craftiest player I've seen play basketball. He's not as athletic as he used to be when he first came, now that he's been through a few knee, knee surgeries, but he just always finds a way to find his buckets. He's the original mid-range king before DeMar DeRozan decided to um, leave alone a three-point shot. <laughs> Dwayne Wade gets 25 points, and they're all two-pointers and ones. So I just feel with him, the addition of Jimmy Butler, who's a two-way player, Rajon Rondo is not necessarily a starting point guard anymore, but he knows how to run a team and how to make an offense click. Indeed. He has great experience in that, so I think Rajon Rondo is definitely going to bring his game to a level where the Bulls could push Celtics to the seven. And when you go to game seven, anything's possible, and I think Chicago could very well win that matchup. And and that that's definitely agreed. I mean, when you take into account the, the playoff experience of the Bulls, I mean – between, I mean, Rondo, Butler, and Wade, that's upward of 300 games combined of, of playoff experience. Wade with 166, Rondo 94, and Butler 32 playoff games. I mean, that, that's a lot of playoff experience. So, like I said, all things considered, it, this is definitely a matchup to watch for. I have the Celtics in seven. It's going to be a tough, drawn-out series, but IT4 is going to get the job done. He's going to corral the troops, Jay Crawford. Horford is Crowder, as, as, you mean. Crowder, I'm sorry. Uh Crowder, as long as uh, Horford stays healthy, I think this is gonna this is gonna it's gonna be a tough series, but they're gonna get the job done and they're gonna get out of there in seven. I just don't know what's gonna happen in the next round, because I feel they're gonna be a little wiped out when they get to that next round. So that's gonna be that's gonna be my next most intriguing thing to watch is whoever their next opponent is, if they can get past that, if they get past that second round. 
Uh, let's uh, transition to Cleveland versus Indiana. My boy, King James. Cleveland has a third-ranked offense, third-ranked offense in the NBA, but the 22nd-ranked defense, while Indiana is kind of teetering in the mid-tier with the 15th-ranked offense and the 16th-ranked uh, defense. Cleveland took the season series 3-1, but they've kind of been on a slide since the All-Star break. Uh, they're going 12-15 of 15, 12 and 15 since the All-Star break. But I feel, nonetheless, it's the first round. King James is built. He's ready. He's not really concerned. Yeah, he's going up against Paul George. Yeah, it's a quote-unquote rivalry. But at the end of the day, Cleveland's going to get him out of here in six. A light six. Not even. It's not going to be a hard, a worked-for six. I mean, yeah, I've, the Pacers might steal one on the road. They might steal one in, in on the road, but... Even still, it's gonna it's gonna be a light. It's gonna be a real, real light six that Cleveland's gonna get him out of here. And I don't th- I don't think uh, they have enough firepower to stop LeBron, Kyrie, and K Love. And then once you take into account, you know, my guy Tristan Thompson and everybody else off the bench. I mean, I just, I just don't see uh, Indiana really matching up. So I got uh, I got my my guys Cleveland. Cleveland is six. Six games? Yeah. For this series? Yeah, I think it's going to go six. Ladies and gentlemen, this series is over in four. Oh, shit. Hey. Bring the dust mops, the brooms, the vacuums. Bring all that out. We we clean this up in four. See, I, I respect Paul George. Like, I think Paul George is going to... He's going to... He, like, I, like I said previously, he's going to be able to corral the troops. And he's going to... he's him, He himself is going to steal a game or two. Explain that, to me how he's going to corral the troops when last night, yesterday afternoon, he knows... <laughs> let's let's break down his last 15 seconds because I don't really appreciate what he did at the press conference after the game. It was corny. It was it was corny. Very corny. So you know you, you know you're going to get doubled with this last possession. Nate McMillan, I don't know what the plan or the strategy was during this game, but you confused me on so many different levels. <laughs> First, you start with Jeff Teague on LeBron James. I don't understand who said that was the thing to do. I don't know if Nate McMillan wants to reincarnate what happened when he was on the Sonics and he was guarding Jordan instead of <laughs> Gary Payton guarding Jordan. I don't know if he wants to reincarnate that, but that didn't end well for y'all then. I don't know why you think you want to do that now. Jeff Teague is 6'2", probably 200 pounds soaking wet, and he's on LeBron James. <laughs> I don't know. Paul George is on your team, but Jeff Teague is on LeBron James. Okay. Maybe you don't want to get Paul George in foul trouble or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm confused. Then, Paul George, you know the double is coming. When you get the rock, I would have appreciated more if you would have just attacked before the double was allowed to get there. Because LeBron came, if you watched the game last night, from the left corner all the way to the top of the wing to help JR and double Paul George. So now, Paul George, he doesn't have the vision to get to Lance Stevenson under the basket. And Lance also has to help Paul George and come out from under the basket and give the passer a clear vision to make that pass mm-hmm. out of the double. Lance didn't do that. He stayed under the rim where I believe it was Shannon Fry who was in that area. So now he swings it to C.J. Miles. C.J. Miles has about 10 or 9 seconds left. Correct me if I'm wrong. So now he makes a couple of moves and he sees a quality shot. Paul George is asking for the ball back, but he's asking for the ball. 30 feet away from the basket. (laughs) And Steph Curry range with LeBron all over you. So if I'm C.J. Miles, I understand why he put the shot up because if you've been paying attention this season, C.J. Miles is probably, if not the best shooter on the team, (coughs) 
excuse me, probably the second or third best shooter on the team. So he's looking at it. The time is ticking. Paul George is being covered by LeBron and JR. I got a good look at this shot. Let me take it. He takes it, comes up short, they lose. Then Paul George comes out after the press conference <laughs> and says, in those kind of moments, I got to get the ball. Fam, you had the ball, and you decided to let the double come, and you passed it. And now you got to put the trust in your teammates that you've been practicing and going to war with to put that shot up. And if he makes it, you're happy. If he does it, okay, you live with it. But I don't want to hear you come out and say, oh, I got to get that. We all know you got to get that, but you got it, and you gave it up. So when you gave it up, you got to live with the results. I don't want you to get it and then wait for the double and you want to get the ball back at 30 feet away. Because what would have happened had C.J. Miles gave you the ball? You would have put up some bullshit A that would have probably shot. bricked or airballed. And you definitely wasn't going to get that call off, call call by the refs. The refs aren't calling a foul on LeBron James in Cleveland when you're shooting a bogus three from basically half court. Paul George, you didn't get the job done. The Pacers didn't get the job done. Y'all were in it. Y'all made it a good game. But now that y'all lost that game one, y'all go home in four. Damn. LeBron and company's getting rid of y'all in four. I have no faith in the Indiana Pacers with that game plan y'all brought yesterday <laughs> afternoon and competing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are going to fix the mess that they have on right Indeed. now. You know the Cavaliers are never worried about any regular season mess. Like Anything that they're dealing with during the regular season is definitely going to get corrected prior to the playoffs even starting. So everybody that was worried about the Cavs and like I guess somewhat counting them out in this whole playoff run, like kill that noise because it's King James. LeBron is always going to corral the troops and get the job done. Like Everybody's going to elevate their game to a level where we're not even going to have to discuss something like them losing what like the last the last three or three or four games of the regular season like that that's that's baby snacks that's 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 water under the bridge right there, but I mean I, I hear you I mean I, I and I like the fact that you put a lot of respect on LeBron's name I, I I do appreciate that but even still I mean I, I feel like I sound like Coles right now even defending Paul George but the fact that he even made it a game yesterday like the fact that the game was even that close. That's why I feel they may be able to squeak out one or two. Like it'll be it'll be a close game like that, but besides that, I mean, I don't really see it's it's gonna it's not gonna be a competitive six games. That that's that's really the point I'm trying to make. It's gonna go six, may possibly maybe five. Let me dumb it down a little bit. Maybe five. Possibly. Ladies and gentlemen, it's over the <laughs> If you live in Indiana, don't even bother going to game three and four. <laughs> Don't bother. Just get ready for next season and hope that Paul George doesn't decide to leave town. Which he might. And that's going to be a very interesting uh, off-season free agency thing to watch with uh, Paul George. Uh, Let's get into our the 3-6 matchup for the Eastern Conference. Toronto versus uh, Milwaukee. We have Toronto, one of the the three teams I mentioned that are ranked uh, top 10 in both offense and defense. uh, Sixth on offense and eighth on defense. Milwaukee ranked 13th on offense and 19th on defense. Toronto taking the season series 3-1. Um, I kind of have Toronto taking this in five. I don't... I mean, I, I like the Bucks. I, I like uh, Giannis. Hell of a stud. Hell of a, hell of a star. But I just don't think they have enough firepower to match DeRozan, to match Mr. Uh, Baca and my son Kyle Lowry. I don't think they have enough firepower for that. And, I mean, Toronto themselves, like, their defense, since acquiring Ibaka and P.J. Tucker, they've been the fourth best defense in the NBA. So, I mean, 
you take all those things into consideration, I don't really see Milwaukee having that much of a chance. Like, I, I think Toronto has this in five, like, to be quite frank. I think the complete opposite of that. After watching what Janice did last night to these guys, I, actually, we need to go back. We need to go back to when Lance Stevenson hit the layup in Indiana. I'm glad you taking it back there. And P.J. Tucker and DeMar DeRozan. They take kindly to that. Press Lance like he stole something out their house. <laughs> like he's one of these L.A. burglars. <laughs> I ain't never seen nobody get pressed like that. Granted, Lance shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, it was Bush that. League. That was a Bush League move. It was Bush League. But he made a great point when the next day he posted Norman Powell hitting the windmill dunk at garbage time. So I kind of understand where Lance is coming from when Lance do it as a problem, but when somebody else do it, nobody say anything. I, I would have took offense to it, but I would have just said, okay, I'm going to remember that. The next time we play Indiana, I got something for you. I don't think I would have went as far as attacking a man on the court before he could even hit his bench. Before he could even <laughs> cross the half-court line, P.J. Tucker and DeMar DeRozan were in we his face. Him. We on him. We on him. Like, what you doing, bro? Like, that, that's uncalled for. We know that. Come on, we play ball, E. It was like, definitely uncalled for. Uncalled for. We up, what are we up? At 16, 18? Like, what you doing, bro? Why you doing that? But I respect that he came out. After the fact, it said, "Yeah, I apologize. I got into the crowd. They was Honestly, singing my name." That was a half-ass. That was a half-ass apology. I'm not, I'm not buying that from Lance Stevenson. There's the same man blowing in LeBron James' ear during the offs. Like, not buying that. Come on, cut cut it out. Cut that out. So I get it. So you know that made apology. me think that Toronto was ready for the playoffs. Kyle Lowry came back uh, previously before I think two or three games before the regular season ended. Yeah. And I thought, you know, Toronto got the pieces. They got P.J. Tucker, excellent 3 and D guy. Also, uh, just, just to make this announcement, P.J. Tucker, stop doing three to the dome. <laughs> I'm, tired of you, I'm tired of, after I see you hit one or two threes a game, you look at the opposing team bench and do three to the dome. <laughs> and I like that, P.J. Tucker. I respect you. I think you're a good player, but stop doing that. You're not mellow. Relax. So I got to bring that up. Serge Ibaka was a great addition. But after what I saw last night, how Giannis was just dunking all over these guys, yeah. it looked like practice to Giannis Antetokounmpo. He was just out there like, yo, I'm doing what I got to do. I'm here. It's my time. It's my time to shine. He basically said, I've been grinding, doing what I got to do. I'm ready to put this Bucks team in his rightful place. And I like Jason Kidd as a coach. I think he got these guys prepared, ready to make a name for themselves, and I think they're going to upset the Raptors in six. Whew. Wow. I, I got mean, the Bucks in six. You, you do make an interesting point with uh, Giannis because, I mean, that's really the question I feel for the series. Like, do t does Toronto have an answer for the Greek freak? I mean, during no. the Yeah, that's what I'm saying, because during the, during the season, he averaged 23 points, nine boards, and five assists while shooting 52%. So, I mean, those numbers in themselves, I mean, that kind of – you know, it, it, it doesn't shine well for Toronto, but at the same time, like I brought up uh, previously, I think that defense is going to be able to to pr pretty much bring it together and somewhat put together a game. My thing is, even if you let Giannis go off, just make sure to stop everybody else. They didn't do that. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, you can let Giannis go off, but you have to stop everybody else. Like, you can't allow people like Chris Middleton. That's my guy. Not saying he's a burger or anything, but you can't let people like Chris Middleton... And, you know, people of that nature get their rocks off. You can't, you can't allow that. 
you you have you have to really strap up the the secondary players. You can let Giannis go off, let him do his thing, but make sure to keep everybody else in check. That that's where that's where Toronto uh, really has a challenge, and I feel. To be honest, I after this this is the maybe second third year in a row. I didn't even know there were so many sequels to the movie Casper. <laughs> Kyle Lowry, where are you? His name Chill. is Casper. Chill. He's a ghost when it comes to the playoffs. Nah, cut it out. Cut what it do you mean, cut it out? The man had four points, four fouls, six assists, two rebounds. What do you, what do you, it's one game. He, it's, what do you, Kyle Lowry. 11? Kyle Lowry. In he, 34 minutes? He's, he's known to do this, though. Like it, Precisely. Like, I mean, but my thing, but it's, it's not a negative because he's always going to come back next game. Even what, what do you what call it? Uh, what do you call it last year? Oh, man, I forgot what he what he said. He, he had to take a hiatus or something in the middle of the game. Oh, he had to decompress. <laughs> he had to decompress. He had to, he had to decompress. He ran to the locker room. <laughs> but never I, in my years of watching professional basketball have I heard somebody say they had to decompress and run but, to the locker room but, in the middle of a game. But rightfully so. Him taking that time to decompress, he came back the next game and had a hell of a game. So, I mean, is it really that bad? I mean, this one game, it doesn't, I don't think that's going to speak for Kyle Lowry for the rest of the series. He's going to have a, he's going to have a great series. And even if he doesn't, DeMar DeRozan is going to offensively propel them past. past is it? He's tight that his, his shot's getting sent all over the place. <laughs> his shot got sent from Toronto to freaking Vancouver and he wanted to go fight Janice. <laughs> Serge told him, bro, bro, relax. He just blocked his shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as an offensive juggernaut as as DeRozan is, I mean, you got to take exception to that. I mean, nobody likes that shot blocked. But you want to fight because he blocked your shot? He got up like he wanted to fight. What's going on? You I never got your shot blocked? I can't speak to that. That, that That's a personal issue for DeRozan to have to address on his own, but... I don't think that's gonna that's not gonna speak for the rest of the series, I feel you like. You should be upset that you're getting cracked by 20 that at home, game one. Understandable. But like I said, that one game is not gonna speak for the series, and Toronto's gonna get him out of here in six, I feel. Five or six. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not really gonna get hung up too much on this series. It's still fear, an interesting series to watch, though. Fear the deer, Bucks and Six. Fear the deer. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> so let's get into the final matchup of the Western Conference. We got the Wizards versus Atlanta. Uh, we have the Wizards, the ninth ninth ranked offense, twentieth ranked defense. The Hawks boast the twenty seventh ranked offense, but the fourth ranked defense, I suppose, anchored by Mister Dwight Howard. Uh, but nonetheless, Washington won the season series three one, and I mean, you know, John Wall kind of had a rough start to the season. You know, the first ten games kind of looked ugly. I know a lot of people were counting out the Wizards, but literally since then, John Wall's been averaging twenty three points and ten assists. Like. So, I I don't really see this being too much of a matchup. I think it's going to be a great series if Schroeder possibly shows us something different. If he if he elevates his game somewhat, and if Dwight Howard actually has a pulse and maybe has a, a flashback to his Orlando days, I think they'll make an interesting series. But if that doesn't happen, I think uh, the Wizards are going to have this. Honestly, I have the Wizards going very far. They're actually one of my surprise uh, teams to actually make a deep run into this playoffs because if they get past this round, I feel that they're going to go a very, very long way and they could possibly upset a team like Cleveland if or, or, or Boston if they do. And I mean, you have you don't even have Boston getting past the first round. So, I mean, if Washington happens to advance and they do face, say, Chicago, that's going to be an interesting series. But I do see Washington making a very deep run in this offs. 
So I got Washington in uh in in six. Got Washington in six. I think I'm gonna go with you and double down Washington and six. My hesitation with Washington is their bench is real skinny. Yeah, very, very sus. Their bench consists of Daniel Ochefu, Chris McCullough, <laughs> Jason Smith, Kelly Oubre, Ian Mahimi, Trey Burke, Brandon Jennings. I like Oubre though. He he can he can hit the trade bomb. Bojan Bogdanovich and Sheldon McLennan and Thanks. Thomas Sadoransky. It's not a bench that's supposed to be a lot of ready to play names. in the offs. A lot yeah. of pedestrian names right there. I'm not gonna, not gonna lie to you. After they start at five and Bogdanovich, I like Kelly Oubre, but he's never played in the offs. Is he ready for this type of atmosphere? I don't I don't know. I mean, it's yet to be seen. But he he's shown that he can he he can hit he can hit it like he he can shoot. He can definitely hit that that trade bomb. Yeah, I'm not sure but about them going uh, much further than the second round, but I do have them slightly favored over the Hawks. The thing about the Hawks, they're a great coach team. Mike Budenholzer knows what he's doing. For Somehow, some way, he got Tim Hardaway to understand how to play basketball. It's not just you letting shots off from three-point. He's actually a starting two-guard now, which is beyond me. I would have never fathomed this watching him on the Knicks. But, uh... I like John Wall. I like Bradley Bill. Arguably one of the better backcourts in the uh, NBA, if not the best one. But we got the Splash Brothers out in Golden State, so we can't ignore those guys. Mm-hmm. But definitely a top three backcourt. And I just like what they bring to the game. I, I definitely enjoy watching them play. They definitely uh, play an exciting brand of basketball. So I do have the Wizards winning this in six. Just because I think the uh, John Wall and Bradley Bill are going to be too much for Dennis Schroeder and Tim Hardaway Jr., so I think they're going to easily take this in six. Not a problem. Unless Dwight Howard goes back to the Dwight Howard we saw in Orlando. Mm-hmm. I like Paul Millsap too, but I think Markeith Morris is Dumb also guy. that good. I think Markeith is that good of a player as well. So I think they kind of cancel each other out. But we'll see. I think this is going to be an interesting series. I think Paul Millsap is better, but not by far. Wow, okay, I, I need a little explanation on it. Because this is the first time I'm hearing this. Like, I never thought there was going to be any type of comparison when we're talking about Paul Millsap and Markeith Morris. I mean, what do you think Millsap does much better than Markeith Morris? Everything. I think, I, I, mean, think, he could, he, I think he's a better post player, but the thing is, with Paul Millsap, the Wizards are allowed to double and make it hard for him because now he doesn't have an Al Horford who's also commanding attention in the paint and... I don't think Dennis Schroeder and Tim Hardaway are guys that you see and you're like, yo, I got to get in his yeah. face or he's going to kill me for 30. I'll tell you, Schroeder, if he, if, if he steps his game up, it'll be interesting. But like I said, he he really has to elevate himself because he's, he's – not to say he's pedestrian because he's a, he's an excellent talent. Like I, I, I like his game, and I think he really has a lot of potential going forward in the NBA. But he really has to really show and prove to, that he can be that guy. I don't think he's really showing that as of yet. Because if you compare Paul Millsap and Markeith Morris, to me, Millsap has better moves in the post and is probably a better rebounder. But as far as... That's a lot. That's a, at, at four. At the four position, that's it a lot. Is, it is a lot. It and is a lot. And, he, and I think he's more so of a stretch four because Paul Sills, he can, he can step out and he can, he can hit that 15 so 18 uh, So can, so can, so can Markeith Morris. See, I, I don't think you've I been think watching think enough Wizards, 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 Wizards possibly, games. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I mean, I do see Markeith Morris on a lot of highlights. So I mean, <laughs> I, I, know, I know that he can. I know I know he can step out. But definitely. I personally have more faith when I see... If I, if I see Millsap step out, like we've seen it a couple games ago versus Cleveland. Like, You're right. He caught, caught the little 12, 15 footer mm-hmm. from, from from the uh, from the wing, the left wing, and 
I mean, from the left corner, and he hit that game tying shot to, to send him to the OT. I so my thing is like, I don't see Marquise Morris being that guy in that particular moment. I think if you put him in that situation, he's not going to be scared to shoot it. I don't think he's going to be scared, but I don't think he's going to hit it. That's my thing. I don't. I don't have faith in the clutch factor of 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 uh, Marquise Morris. That's why I think that's to me that's what us uh, kind of separates them. So okay. That, that, I like think I said, we just have a bigger sample size of what Paul Millsap do. has Indeed. done. Indeed. Whereas Marquise Morris, this is his first time sniffing the offs. Yeah, like you said, I haven't I haven't watched enough film on Marquise Morris, so that, but he's maybe that I, guy. Yeah, now nah, maybe guy. I need to go back. I need to go on YouTube and uh, maybe pull up some clips of him. And, and as we speak, he's already one for two from three as <laughs> the game is two. going on. <laughs> one not that two. that's saying a lot, but <laughs> just to let y'all know, he's not a bum. Guess what? Uh, we we pretty much doing the same percentage almost. Like while we sitting right here recording this podcast, so I don't that that one for two is not impressive right now. Like I if he wins the game, I might I might put it up a notch, but I don't know. For right now, I'm not really okay. not really sold. So we'll see. We'll see. Only time. Only time will tell. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, let's uh, let me get to a little some uh, questions. Let me get a. I want your opinion on a, a couple of topics. So as far as the low seeds, I mean we we talked about uh. You know, there's OKC, there's Utah, there's Memphis, there's uh, Atlanta, there's Milwaukee, there's Indiana, out of and Chicago. So, out of those low seeds, which one of those teams do you think has a propensity to possibly pull off an upset and make make a, a deep run, semi deep? Like, let's call it just maybe get to the next round. Like, which team do you think has that ability to do that? Chicago. Chicago, like said, that team. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think I think they're gonna pull an upset and beat the number one seed. Man, you really think it's seven games? I truly believe that. Man, as much as I, I don't like Fred Hoiberg as a coach, I think the Bulls made the worst mistake ever by firing Tom Thibodeau and yeah. bringing him in. Since he's been there, it's been all anarchy. But I think <laughs> that the team is, has the talent that is better than forty-one and forty-one for the season. I think that's a fifty-game win ball club right there, and I think they're going to show us that they're ready for this moment when they play the Celtics today. So with that being said, do you think Boston is probably like out of all the other, I guess, top seeds, you know, one through four? Do do you see them as the team that's gonna possibly they're gonna be the team to make a first round exit? Possibly that that's a, that's a team that has that's most likely to get upset this round. Yeah, uh, between Boston and Houston. Boston and Houston. Yeah. Houston, y'all better run, man. Y'all better run, man, because. Westbrook ain't playing with y'all, man. Y'all go, y'all gonna see. Y'all gonna see. Like I don't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna keep adding any more fuel to the fire. It's already a hot topic within our group itself, and you know, amongst social media. But Westbrook is really gonna show y'all. Like I'm not even gonna do much talking on his behalf. Like he's gonna show y'all what time it is. It's MVP time. That's what time it is, and he's gonna show y'all. This, this, this wasn't a race. Even though it was, it, it was, was a race. It was, I can't say. But it he's gonna show y'all that it, when it really comes down to it, when it comes to that last leg of the horse race, he kind of pulled away with it, like in, in grand fashion, if you ask me. So, but he's gonna he's he's gonna do the talking for me. I don't need to elaborate on that much. Uh, let me ask you this: e, uh, What player do you think we have to watch out for this uh, playoffs? Who's a player to to really hone in? That's gonna possibly show out and, and have maybe a definitive moment this this uh, entire playoffs? Uh, 
put me on the spot right now. <laughs> that's what we like. That's what we need. Right See, that's what I'm going to do more. I'm going <laughs> to hit these cats with some more hard-hand questions. I need cats to really think. Get those wheels turning. You feel me? Yeah. Uh, Who's whew. that guy? Between the West and the East? Between the West and the East. So you got a lot of... That's a bit, That's a grand talent pool to choose from. So who's going to be that guy? Who's really going to show us something that this this offs? Me personally, let me... I'll, I'll start it off for you. I think it's going to be John Wall. Because like I said, I think the Wizards, the Wizards are my surprise team. I honestly... I see the Wizards and the Cavs in the conference finals. I'm not going to... Sorry to jump ahead because we're going to talk about this on the prior podcast. I mean, on, uh, on future podcasts. But... I, I see the Wizards making a run, and I see John Wall being that guy. John Wall is going to show hey, he's gonna He's going to dance on him. He's going to do the John Wall on him. And he's really going to show Cass, like, yo, I'm here. I have arrived. Despite the rough 10 games, the, the start of the season was nasty, and every a lot of people were counting them out. But we haven't heard much because all you've been seeing is him and Bradley Beal ball out. And I think that backcourt is going to be one to reckon with when they get deeper into the offs. I honestly think they're a better backcourt than, than Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. I, and that might be an unpopular opinion, but I really think they're a better backcourt. They are. And I really see, I them, agree. I see them going very, very deep in this offs. So John Wall is my guy to, to, make that, to make that run. And really, he's going to separate himself and he's going to show guys like, I belong in these top talks of when we talk about point guards in the NBA. Like, I belong up there. He's already there, believe me. But he's going to show y'all like, you, you gotta start. You gotta start including me regularly in these discussions. Like, don't just don't just try to pull me in when when it's time just to make conversation. Like, nah, I'm here for the long haul. So John Wall is that guy. For me, I think it's gonna come down to Stephen Adams on OKC Thunder. It's time. Mm, another dub guy, by the way. It's time to elevate your game. And become that second player that Russell Westbrook needs for them to win this series. I think Stephen Adams is gonna have a coming out show this this series against the Houston Rockets. I don't think Clint Capella has anything for him, or Nene Hilario. Although Nene has been playing well, but I think Stephen Adams, it's time. It's time for you to solidify yourself as a double double machine, as a guy that Russell could dump it to and trust in uh, the final moments and. Like I said, this it's just time for you to step up, bro. It definitely is. It definitely is. I mean, Steve Nadal is my guy. I mean, he had a he had a very good season. He played eighty of eighty two games. Mm-hmm. You know, he averaged eleven point three points, uh, seven point seven rebounds, and he shot fifty seven percent. So I mean, when you take all those things into consideration, I mean, he he definitely has the the ability to be that secondary guy. I mean, offensively, obviously, Ennis Cantor is obviously above him. I think he's my leaps and bounds ahead of him offensively, but and Steven, his defense kind of speaks for itself. And if he allows his offensive game to develop and really hone and develop some of these skills, he's going to be a real force to reckon with. Uh, to reckon with. That's why he's a dub guy. That that Because I see the future potential. I really think he had that potential to be one of the best and top centers in the NBA for, for years to come. Definitely. Definitely. He's, right now, he's averaging 11 points, seven boards on the season on a block a game. I need you to bring that to 11 and 11 and maybe two blocks for yeah. the series. Yeah, that, that, that's the, what they're going to need. those kind of numbers right now. That's definitely what they're going to need. So, Steven Adams, it's time, man. Throw that seven-foot body around. You don't got to worry about Draymond Green kicking you in the nuts yet. <laughs> yet. So, you know, you Because you, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. I have no faith that Draymond has changed his Bush League ways and his... And his, and his, and his, and his 
took taking the high knee kick out of his game. Like that that that's one of his best post moves. Like the high knee kick. Like I don't I don't know when martial arts got incorporated with the NBA. Like I don't know when MMA became like a standard for the NBA, but that this man Draymond has really made the the high knee kick a, a part of his <laughs> part of his post game. It's 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 pretty impressive. I'm not gonna I lie. bet there's probably people who are willing to see Conor McGregor versus Draymond Green. <laughs> and Draymond Green wants to get into MMA. I'm pretty sure there's a bag for you there, bro. If you want to do that, top five Draymond. Every time I hear his name, I can't just I can't get that whole Combs top five Draymond nonsense out of my ears. Like it, it kills me sometimes. Like kills me. Combs is crazy. He's in a delusional fantasy world like LeVar Ball. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, so we're, that was uh, that was it for our playoff matchups. We're gonna take a quick uh, twenty second timeout. We're gonna come back with a brief recap of our end of the series uh, NBA awards. And I'm sorry, end of the season NBA awards. So we'll be right back. PTP. All right, so we're back and let's briefly, like I said, we're gonna get into. I mean, we already touched on it last uh, podcast, so we're going to briefly just wrap up with our end-of-the-season awards. Uh, we have the MVP award. We have the Defensive Player of the Year award, Sixth Man of the Year award, Most Improved Player of the Year, and Sixth Man of the Year. So, E, I'll let you uh, take it away. MVP, let's, let's begin with the Big Boy Award. You already know what it is. Russell Westbrook, watch Russell work Sunday night, tonight at 9, must-see TV. That's the MVP of the league, 40-second triple doubles. Hasn't been done in 55 years. Come on. All That's facts. I'm going to leave it at. All facts. And I double down. Not much more to be said. Uh, sixth man of the year. Who you got there? Eric Gordon. Uh, definitely had a great season coming off the bench. Used to being a starring guy, but this season they agreed to come to the Rockets, be that spark plug for them off the bench mob, as I like to call them. But I think – He's uh, solidified himself as the Sixth Man of the Year award this year against all the other candidates. Lou Williams did good, but now that he's also on the Rockets, I think he tapered off towards the end of the season. But uh, Eric Gordon is my Sixth Man of the Year award winner. And again, I doubled down on that. I mean, Lou Will had a he, he makes a strong case, but uh, I remember Cole's alluding to it the last podcast. You know, he spent a lot of his time putting up those stats on a bad team, being the Lakers. So I mean, him coming to Houston alongside Eric Gordon. I mean, it kind of doesn't strengthen his case, but uh, it definitely strengthened Eric, uh, Eric Gordon's case because he's kind of been doing this all season. So I doubled down on that. Uh, six man of the year, Eric Gordon. Most improved player. Who you got, E? My guy out of Phoenix, Devin Booker. Definitely uh, most improved. The guy has elevated his game on so many different levels. He came in as a knockdown shooter, but now he's not only that, he can get to the basket. He has a plethora of moves. He also told Russell Westbrook, yo, you my guy, but <laughs> I can't let you get this triple-double here in my house. <laughs> His averages increased from 13.8 points a night to 22 points a night, so now you really got to pay attention to him. So I think he's only going to get better. He's only 20, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So okay. the sky's the limit. This season averaged 22 points, three assists, three rebounds a game. I think he's he's that guy. I wasn't too sold on him when he was coming out. I thought he could have used another year in the draft, but he proved me wrong. He's definitely ready uh, because I haven't seen a Brandon Knight sighted ever since he got hot. <laughs> I forgot Brandon Knight is in the NBA. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that used to be my guy, too. <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to stray away from that. I think Giannis is the uh, most improved player of the NBA. Uh, I think it's kind of just, it speaks for itself. He has a team succeed in the East, uh, like I said, uh, versus the team that he's playing right now in the playoffs. He's averaging 23, 9, and 5, shooting 52%. So, I mean, just sky's the limit for him, if you ask me. And, I mean, I think he's really still has a whole lot of improving to do. And I think he's really going to be uh, hes going to be one of those Kawhi Leonard-type players where he's going to be a, a, a force to reckon with on the offensive and defensive end. I think he has that potential. So Giannis, most improved. I'm uh, mad at that. Yeah, I mean, you can't be. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be. Uh, Six-man, I'm sorry, not six-man, rookie of the year. Who you got there? I got my man out in Milwaukee. Fear the deer, Malcolm Brogdon. Ten points a night, two assists. Two assists. Granted, the assists aren't that high, but he's also splitting time with Deladova. But I just feel like he knows how to play the game. And for a second-round pick to contribute on a playoff team, I think that goes to say a lot. Joel Embiid, yes, I think is the better talent, but he's played 31 yeah. games out of 82. It's too small of a sample size. I agree. Too small. I agree with that. Granted, I think he's going to be that guy, but I need to see more than 30 games on the season. <laughs> this this yeah. this reminds me of insanity. There's <laughs> a small sample, and the media no and the fans <laughs> going to hyperbole as to what the player can be. Granted, I don't think Joel Embiid is a talent of Jeremy Lin's stature, but 30 games is not enough for me to say that you've done you deserve an award for the year. 30 games out of 82, I, I, I just can't do that. So the guys who are petitioning for Joel Embiid, I hear you, but I don't hear you at the same time. <laughs> if anybody, the race right now is between Malcolm Brogdon and Dario Saric. Personally, I like Brogdon a little bit more because he helped that Bucks team get to the offs when in the middle of the season, a little bit after All-Star, it didn't look like they were really going to make the offs. So that's something that he needs to be awarded for. So Malcolm Brogdon for Roy. Holla at your boy. Yeah, and I uh, agreed. Double down on that, Malcolm Brogdon. And the last award, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Who you got? Who you rocking with over there? Uh, I'm going to go with the guy from San Antonio, Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> the guy. <laughs> the guy from San Antonio. Yeah, the guy with the straight back braids. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like Ivan 101. <laughs> hey, he's 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 playing up to that level. Yeah, he's, he's playing up to that. that level. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it, bro, because you're doing your thing out here. You're getting better every year. He's the unofficial LeBron stopper. And every game I watch with the Spurs, Kawhi doesn't stop. He's blocking shots. He's rebounding. He's keeping man in front of him. He's doing everything, getting steals. He's he, the sky's the limit for this guy. You heard it here first. He is the heir to the throne that LeBron James claims he has right now. Kawhi Leonard is that guy. That's that's how much I think of him. I think he's gonna become the unequivocally, unquestioned, undisputed best player in the NBA come two or three years. Kawhi Leonard, Defensive Player of the Year. Draymond Green, you're doing your thing, but it ain't enough. Sorry. Again, and I, I doubled down on that because as I, you know, aforementioned, I said, you know, the best defensive player on the best defensive team should naturally be the Defensive Player of the Year. That being Kawhi Leonard, San Antonio's ranked the first uh, first ranked defense in the NBA. So, I mean, that, that just goes without saying. I think I doubled down. I agree with E. Defensive Player of the Year, Mr. Kawhi Leonard. And that was another installment of the Past Their Prime podcast. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, follow me, your host Dub, on Twitter at Dubs on Deck. 
Follow me on Twitter, EA Sports 718, at your boy. Follow us on the gram, Pass Their Prime 5 on Instagram. You can follow me on the gram, E underscore money 718. You can also follow me on Snapchat, EA Sports. Holla at your boy. This is Pass Their Prime. And until next time, we'll see you later. Deuces. <laughs>